Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wasted Local Talent. I am Daniel, and nobody's here with me today because we forgot to record this intro because we are bad hosts. This week we've got Ivory Coast. And before we get into the episode, let me tell you about the other podcast we've got under the 13 Palm Trees Shade. We've got D&D Kinda, where Michael, my brother, has crafted an awesome story set in Faerun. If you're into D&D, you'll know what that is. And we've got Video Game Mythos, where my brother and Ryan Will Fong go over the backstory and lore of video game characters. It's so good. And last, and eh, least, but not least, I don't know. We've got Gurus of Gaming, where Roger Harper, Ryan Turner, Josiah, Hunter, Kelsa, Michael... I could probably go on for forever, uh, but they talk about video game news and upcoming video games and all that happy jazz. So one more thing before we get into the episode, uh, 13 Palm Trees, our parent company, is actually running a sale on t-shirts right now. They're all $12 on our website, uh, 13palmtrees.com, and they're all Bella Canvas, so they're super soft. It's like being hugged by Josh Hall. Um, if you don't know who Josh Hall is, you should probably find out and definitely get a hug from him. But yeah, all of our shirts are on sale. Again, that's 13palmtrees.com. So you can snag a D&D kind of shirt, a video game mythos shirt, a 13 palm trees shirt, even a wasted local talent shirt for cheap. So go over and check that out. Um, if you haven't already, you should follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash wasted local talent. You should check us out on Instagram at wasted local talent. And don't forget to go over to Worst Kept Secrets page, facebook.com slash WV, and on Instagram, WV. Check them out because they're dope and let us use their song for over a year now. I'm surprised we haven't gotten a cease and desist letter yet, um, but I think they're distracted by Pat Cole's new baby. So yeah, let's go ahead and uh, get to the episode. What's up, everybody? I'm Daniel. I'm Josiah. And I'm Jed. And today we're wasting our talent with... Ivory Coast. Coast. I almost lost it there. I was almost like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. So, Ivory Coast, so introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm Samuel. I am the guitarist for Ivory Coast. Mm -hmm. And I'm Cody. I'm also the guitarist for Ivory Coast. Who's the better guitarist? Probably (laughs) him. (laughs) Starting it out like that, huh? Definitely him. He... He's younger than me, and he has so much uh, raw enthusiasm and just less arthritis in his so, fingers. Yeah, so much more energy than I do. He he surprises me daily. So definitely him. So how long? I so saw I've known you for a while. So you played with the cafe a bunch, but I, I think today's the first day I've met you. How long have you been in the band? Uh, I've been in the band roughly, I would say about a good year, and then I filled in for them a year prior. So I would. I would say probably about two years being involved with Ivory Coast as a whole. Well, nice. So is it just a four-piece right now? Yeah. Uh, before Sam joined, uh, last year we we had four members and one quit. And we were doing a bunch of fill-ins. Um, Zach from Town Hotels, he was filling on bass. And then uh, Sam filled on bass for you know, one show or two. And then we were like, we need another guitar player or bassist. Want we just, we need someone else? And we're like, let's just get Sam. He's done it before, and he's a really good guitar. So it uh, he joined the band, and it's worked out ever since. Mm. Yep, I've been involved with uh, the local scene for a good while uh, in the Pittsburgh area, and I just remember getting in contact with these guys, and you know, they were looking for somebody to fill in for for a little while to figure out what they were going to do, and then I eventually, you know, I decided to join them, and now I'm here. <laughs> so no bassist right now? Uh, n- not right now. Right. We're, we're working on it. We, um, we have something in the works where I actually may take on the role of playing bass. We might get another guitar player. One of his good friends plays guitar, and so we're thinking about that. We just haven't solidified the details yet. Now, do you, do you use, I mean, not to give away your stuff, <laughs> do you backing track your, your bass right now just to kind of yeah. fill it out there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. When we, uh, we record in Ohio and the, the tones are amazing so it's just you know why not just backtrack it it. probably cheaper that way and you don't have to listen to the bassist's opinion because the bassist really doesn't matter yeah yeah i was gonna say the same (laughs) thing yeah Yeah. (laughs) nobody actually cares about the bassist so it's fine yeah it's it's smart that you left your your drummer and your singer 
away. You know, away. Yeah. Because obviously us guitarists are, are the, you know, what really runs the band. The no, I do. My literally. Yeah. <laughs> the backbone. Yeah. Oh, man. So tell us about your, your new song that we were going to premiere today, but you didn't get it in time. So tell us about that song. Uh, that song is um, called Make Contact. Um, hopefully we'll have it out within the next two weeks max. It's, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the other material, but like Your Failure was the first single we released uh, last year of these three. And they're just sort of us experimenting, trying to discover what sound we want to go with for a full length, potentially in the future. And then Nines was a very soft, somber, you know, had a little bit of emotion and a little punch there, but not much. So for this song, we're like 180, really heavy. Um, it just kind of beats you up the whole time, but it still has a lot of melody and three choruses, which is really important these days. Lots of mm-hmm. choruses. So yep. just heavy song. Yeah, I listened to Nines right before we were, because we, we had to reschedule this interview. Um, but I listened to that one, and I was like, man, this is a lot different than what I remember Mm-hmm. From whenever you guys used yeah. to play at the cafe, yeah, and I really, I, I really liked it, yeah. but it was just not what I was expecting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whenever it was like Ivory Coast, and I was like, oh, this is really good. Like, yeah. this is really like kind of softer. You were surprised that it was good? No, 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 I'm not that. Wow, so <laughs> well, guys are decent. <laughs> wow, no, 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 like that. It was just, it was just different. And sometimes it's good whenever a band does that. Sometimes it sucks whenever a band does. Yeah, that. that's but true. In your guys' case, I thought it was a really good step. How would so. you describe mm. your? general sound i know you talked about changing but to someone that's never listened to you before out there in the the listening audience uh to avoid the whole like genre thing we've always just said metal you know because we sort of go in different directions um but i guess metal core some people would but we just we're a metal band that like to experiment um our first ep uh chroma is just very it's very heavy with some softer moments um a little bit of melody here and there but mostly just a, a heavy a uh, little record there. And then with your failure nines, we were really wanted to be more course driven. Just the course is the, the big focus. And then we have some cool parts in between. So we're trying to be more conscious about that, our arrangement, how we're writing. Um, but to, uh, the very short answer for your question, yeah. just, just metal, I guess. I mean, it's hard to, you know, we, we use a bunch of different elements and stuff, but I'd mm-hmm. say metal is the best way. Def- def- definitely agreed. Um, when I, when I joined a year prior, uh, I was still trying to figure out like they. We were all still trying to figure out like what sound we initially were going for after the EP, and I believe Nines was a really good step out of the metal zone. Uh, it had mainly all clean vocals in it, and it was it was just it was just a very great song. And I joined around that time period that Nines mm-hmm. was released. Now, to me, <clears throat> whenever people ask that question, I hate it. It's <laughs> like, I mean, as a musician, my, like whenever I write songs, I never try to like pigeonhole us into one genre. Yeah. Or like the the worst question, though, is what bands do you sound like? Oh, That's the worst. I didn't I ask you, that question. I, I know, no, I'm I know. smart enough to <laughs> no, know, I know. <laughs> So I don't know if you guys are the same way. But to me, that's the worst question that somebody can ask you as a musician. Like, what do you? Like, who do you sound like? It's like we sound like us. Yeah, you know? it's mm-hmm. tough. It's <laughs> weird. You know, it's like you could list off a bunch of bands that you listen to, but I don't know. I don't feel comfortable saying we sound like them because they're doing their own thing and they're way mm-hmm. better at than what we're trying to do. So we're just doing our own little metal thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think staying like just like very. It's so weird talking up to you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think staying extremely comfortable. He's comfortable over there because he's used to people talking down to him. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I'm also like, that mic is perfectly positioned so that I can't see Daniel. So oh, I know. This, this is, is great. great. <laughs> yeah. Like, but uh, no, I think leaving it, you know, just as metal is awesome because I love metal. But one of the things that I hate the most about metal is metal has gotten so snooty. Yeah. Like, if, if you know, if a band calls themselves like metalcore well there's like 18 different sub genres of metalcore and it's like well you're not actually metalcore you're post hardcore horrorcore and it's like (laughs) what What does that even mean i love that genre (laughs) yeah so i I think leaving it simple like that kind of works in your favor because then you might not have as many of those snooty metal fans who are like well i came for this show and you don't actually sound like this you sound like that well i think our, our vocalist put it best um I think to this day, maybe not anymore, but uh, Bring Me the Horizon on their page, it's like their genre was like just metal. And obviously they're not what you think of metal today, but they definitely started out that way. Mm-hmm. So your know, genres blend and bleed together and, and fuse, and 
It's just a nice blanket term. Like mm-hmm. you're going to hear some metal aspects, but you're going to hear some stuff that you wouldn't necessarily associate with metal. So yeah. It works really well. <clears throat> now, what, what did you guys sit down and make a conscious decision to have more chorus-driven music, or was it just what happened? Or no, it was definitely a, a conscious decision. We um, so there for a while. I think they're probably still doing it. But a bunch of uh, like smaller pages were doing like live streams and asking bands to submit songs. They'll react to it live and comment. And we did that once with our song "Evade" with the music video. And like about a minute in, the guy had been asking, like, where's the chorus at? Where's the chorus? And I'm like, you still have like 30 seconds before you hit the chorus. <laughs> and I'm freaking out. And he, he stopped listening like five or 10 seconds before the chorus got there. And to me, I was I, I thought about all the music, the whole five songs. Um, three of them have choruses. And for every song, it's about a minute and a half. And the way he described it was the chorus is the most important part. It doesn't mean it has to, you have to be a pop band, but it's the, the part that everyone's going to listen to and remember and, mm-hmm. and sing and what's going to be the hook. So for us, these for your failure nine specifically, we're like, let's just let's focus on the course and everything else will come together and make contact was kind of a little backstep from that. The course isn't the main aspect, but we make sure to get in there three times. Mm-hmm. So that's so hard as a musician. I found out like a long time ago because because Josiah said he listened to our new song and it's like probably about a minute and a half. Yeah. Almost two minutes before you hit that chorus. Yeah, that's just the way I write. I don't know. Yeah. Like I just, it's just like a big build up into the chorus. But the song that we released this past spring, it was like just a little bit, and then the chorus hits you like right away. Yeah. So, and that one was more like you said, a conscious decision to yeah. to put that chorus right there. But most of the songs that I write, it's like if there is even a chorus, <laughs> and it's just a song. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> well, if you listen to a chroma, it just feels listening back to it now. I know when we first released it, I loved it. I thought it was the best thing ever. But listening back now, I'm listening to. It, I'm like, yeah, it's. Kind of just goes on and on and on, and finally there's a course there. Um, but we always try to make it flow. As long as it's flowing, we'll just keep mm-hmm. writing. And um, for those songs, that's how they feel. But you know, the new the new songs, we're like, let's let's try to get it in there a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, for those people that that listen for those. Yeah, which is something that like a lot. I don't know if you guys do. I don't, but ever really think about because whenever I write a song, I write it for like for me. Yeah. So I don't really think about other people and how they would view it. Maybe that's probably why we never. That's, get that's why nobody shows. listens to. Them. <laughs> that's probably why. But, uh, um, but yeah, like building a song and building it the way that you want it to to be, and writing mm-hmm. it the way you want it to be, but also to where people will still listen to it and be like, okay, this is good or this is good, instead of just yeah. you know throwing it together. <clears throat> well, I think "Make Contact" is the perfect example from where. The two previous singles were very chorus driven. This one, I think it takes maybe a little bit over a minute, which I know it's like, you know, sparing change, but it's, it's a big deal when your your chorus doesn't start like at the 40 second mark or the minute mark versus like the minute and a half. So we really just wanted to like write a heavy metal song that happens to have a, a pretty decent chorus, in my opinion. Maybe mm-hmm. people won't like it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's chock full of melody and it's catchy as hell. So that's probably more important now than ever with just the way social media is. Mm-hmm. Someone will listen to 10 seconds of your song, and if they don't like it, they'll just flip to the next Instagram post or whatever it is. So, yeah. yeah Not to mention, like, a lot of music, uh, like, I don't, I don't know if app is the right word, but, like, you know, Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, like, all that kind of stuff, they work off of algorithms. Yeah. Yeah. So. You can get a like or a dislike, and then you're not on that Pandora station anymore. Well, what I mean is, like, even just the way that the song is structured. Yeah. Like the the algorithm will pull through that and sort it out, and you know, into different categories. So. That's the big thing about it is people. If you're listening to a song and and so far in you've you know you're listening to a verse or an intro or whatever, and it's still not like catching you. The hooks like supposed to be the, the the biggest part of the song. So the longer you make someone wait for that, it it's kind of draining. And everyone's time these days is like no one has time. Mm-hmm. Everything's yeah. just on demand. They want it now. So we just tried to. Try to give that to them a little bit sooner. I, I think I think the best part to that is like you don't want to give the hook away right away. Yeah. But you want to be able to build a little bit of tension mm-hmm. before that initial release happens with the hook. So so what you're saying is the next song, well, not you, but you saying the next song is just gonna be a chorus and then done. That's yeah. It. Here's thirty seconds. Here's <laughs> yeah. Just a bunch Go of chorus. <laughs> just chorus, chorus, chorus. A chalk, <laughs> a, a, ch- a, full, a full album, just chalk full of choruses. Thirty seconds <clears throat> is the most. But my my old old band back way way before this band that I'm in now. The um, early '60s. Yeah, <laughs> around, around then. 
Um, we were called a shattered we're called deception. Called the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> no, they toured with the Beatles. They, they were just the bugs. <laughs> we were just the yeah. bugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, my whole, it was like a that early like metal. Like I don't know if you guys you know Castle Grayskull that kind yep. of style. We were trying to like go for that whole style, and that everybody in the band was like, "Why don't you ever write like breakdowns?" Because I was like writing all the music. So I was like, "I don't know. I just never do." So I wrote a song that was like five breakdowns in a row, and that was the whole song. And it was called "I'm Always Up for a Breakdown," and they got so mad. They loved it <laughs> at the end of it because it, it started off like about 15 seconds in breakdown, 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 and it was just over. So. It's but. it's weird. The longer you're in a scene, you see those changes happen mm-hmm. from like the really technical metal when everything wants to be impressive to now it's just like breakdowns, and now everyone's in the metal scene, especially nowadays, is like they're trying to write more using the pop formula, that mm-hmm. verse, chorus, verse, you know, and it's effective, obviously, because it works really well with pop musicians, but seeing that now, it's just like, it's heavier pop, yeah. but it's really, I mean, it works really well for some bands, and some bands don't pull it off quite as well, but it's just funny seeing those changes of what was cool and what wasn't, and what's coming back, and what's mm-hmm. like staying dead. I yeah. think I think what's coming back the most is like, I've been starting to see bands surface uh, that kind of have that hardcore uh, beatdown feel. And I'm, I'm really digging it, but at the same time, like you're starting to see the pop structure formula mm-hmm. starting to fade out and transition over to the, the hardcore aspect of mm-hmm. the metal scene. You're yeah. talking about Knocked Loose? <laughs> <laughs> band's sort of up that alley. Yeah. So as a band, um, whenever you guys go to, like, is it, somebody just brings an idea to the table for us for a song or do you guys all sit together and just write how do you what's your process of writing it's a it's a bit of both i mean it just depends every song has sort of started out differently for us um like your failure was uh tyler had this idea for a chorus and we were in the middle of writing nines which was released after your failure and he sent this uh, video of this course and this riff idea and i fell in love with it i was like this is this is catchy and this is great so i just dropped nines and started writing that and proved out to really write itself I think um and I'd write a few parts and then we'd take it and all three of us would get together and we'd kind of tinker with it and I'd take it back with me and write a few more parts but it's it's just the song evolves over time Mm -hmm. but usually it just starts with either the chorus or a riff most of the songs would be the riff because the chorus was the main part but I think for these newer songs the chorus was like the focus Versus where Make Contact, we had like everything else but the chorus, I think up to two months before we uh, wrote the song, the chorus was the last thing we wrote because we didn't know what it's a, it's hard to write a, a heavy, dark chorus. It's hard to make something catchy while also trying to be heavy. So um, most of the time, just a riff idea, someone has it. And then mm, I, I for, especially for Make Contact, um, when the song is released, when you listen to it, uh, the, the main initial riff is in a major key, so it was kind of hard to be able to transition that song over to a minor key and oh, make yeah. it dark. Um, so like like uh, Cody was saying, we focused on the chorus last because we were still trying to figure out where, where or how we're going to put this chorus into the song. Um, so it worked out very well, and you know we're both excited for everyone to hear it. Mm. We put a lot of work and time into it, for I sure. Hope, I hope that you guys get that before. Obviously, this is coming out this week. Yeah. So I was hoping, I was really hoping that we could get to hear it today and even, you know, kind of push that on the on the episode, but we can just That was all the lead singer and drummer's it. fault that they yeah. didn't get it out on time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those guys. Yeah. Well, su- surprisingly enough, um, for the last two singles, we recorded everything in one day. And then for Make Contact, it was just... It's, it's a much more difficult song to play, and so it took us a lot more time. And, like, at 8 o'clock at night, we had just finished bass. We hadn't done, like, leads or vocals, so we're like, we're going to have to book another day. And then uh, we came back, like, not even a week later and did um, the leads and vocals in about six hours. And we know, like, our producer has a lot of work on his hands because this is a tough song for us to play. So we're like, you know, we understand. We he said it'd be five days, but I was like, something tells me it's, it's not gonna, gonna be. it's not gonna be <laughs> yeah. five days. Once he gets into doing those drums and guitars, it's gonna turn into like a week to two weeks. So how can you mm-hmm. sit down and do a song in a day and it sound as good as it does? Because I can't do that. It takes us like two or three days to do drums, and then you know 
Well, up <laughs> well, with our producer, it'll take us six months to do guitars. <laughs> you know, so. Well, up until for Chroma, everything, all the drums were um, digital, all MIDI. So we didn't have to worry about wasting the time. So Chroma was pretty nice. We were out the studio. We started at like nine or eight, and we were out the studio by six o'clock every day. For the new singles, we wanted that live drum feel. Yeah. So it was kind of like scary at first, but uh, for your failure, Mike went in and knocked out of the park like an hour. He had the drums done. We're like, great. Now we had a, we had the rest of the day, you know, me being hung over to like fumble through guitar <laughs> and then bass. But we, we surprisingly enough, those songs were difficult in their own ways. But this new song was just it. it it's just I don't know. It took Mike like three hours. It took me several hours to do guitars and the bass. And but we, we, you know, it's like, oh, it's it's time to go. <laughs> like that's, he's ready to go inside and leave us alone. So mm-hmm. um, it depends on the song, I think, and how, you know, the you know, if you're prepared i thought we were prepared and we weren't yeah (laughs) we were prepared as much as possible it was just a it was a pretty technical song as as far as like drums and guitar go Uh, i mean him me and cody spent a good couple months like uh, he was mentioning we spent a good couple months on just guitars by themselves like Mm -hmm. he came out the initial riff and then we started building uh, building sections upon that. And like I said before, the chorus was last. So we were just trying to piece everything else together. It was like putting together a puzzle. And then uh, there were lots of revisions with the drums. And then Mike just went in and nailed it. I mean, he did a really good job for for recording drums for the how technical frame, a song yeah. <laughs> for how technical a song was, for sure. With this song being different, than what you might normally do. How does that translate to your live events, or have you put it together for a live show yet? Well, we have a show coming up November 16th. So um, we'll see how it goes, I guess. Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> yeah. We, we, I think we played Nines and Your Failure a few times together, mm-hmm. but this song we've actually never played together as a whole band before we recorded it, so... Interesting. It's kind of scary... We were, we were talking in the studio. We're like, we have a feeling we're never going to play this song live. It's just so fucking hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I'm a big August Burns Red fan. So I went, I've been to a bunch of their shows. And now, do you guys sound like them? N- yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but they have a song. They have a Definitely song not. called Crusades. And they, they put it on an album. It was one of the final tracks on their album like 10 years ago. It's one of my favorite songs. So I was like, when are you guys going to play the song? And they're like, we recorded it and we've never played it live. Like, we don't know how, to, we don't know the words. <laughs> it's so stinking hard. We're not going to ever play it. Well, they played it on a tour last summer. I like to think that's all my fault that they did. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I. I always think that's interesting where you guys put you sit down and you, you like craft this masterpiece and then you're like, well, shoot, now now we have to yeah, do it like it play it. with no safety net. I can see that problem definitely with like full lengths. If you release like 10 or 12 songs, mm-hmm. you're not going to play every song. You're going to play the ones that you, you know, maybe are easier to play or people like the most. Mm-hmm. But with us, we have the five song EP and these three singles. So we don't we could add it easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, eight songs. That's about half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, depending on your breaks in between. So if we had a full record of songs, Make Contact probably wouldn't be in a live <laughs> show. We want it to be, but it's it's tough. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Probably a mess. <laughs> I've always think like after recording a song and, and being able to listen to it fully done, and that it's easier to play because you can listen to it and you can like familiarize yourself with it and it'll help you play it because you know it so much better than just writing it and then playing it. Plus, you can also work out the kinks in it, too, yeah. whenever you record it. Um, you guys do any, like, pre-production with a producer, or do you do kind of where you just sit down together and work out all, uh, work out all the kinks yourself? With Mike. Yeah, yeah, our drummer, uh, Mike, he is the one we go to uh, for all of our pre-pro. Like, mm-hmm. if I have a guitar idea, normally what I'll do is I'll sit at home with Logic mm-hmm. and just track out my ideas that way I don't forget them because I am I, I've been victimized a lot from like sitting down and thinking of an idea and then it just goes out the window yeah it's gone I've been there before definitely <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll sit there and I'll track my idea out and then what I'll do is I'll I'll send like the idea to our band chat 
and then uh, we'll go down and pre-pro with Mike, mm-hmm. and then we'll go from there. Okay, cool. So you got somebody in your band that does that. Mm-hmm. What he doesn't tell you is we send the ideas, and it's ignored for about two weeks. For two weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then when we get together, we're like, hey, we're listening to this together now, <laughs> making sure you hear it. But yeah. Mike, he, for Chroma, everything, we recorded with him, and he's pretty capable of getting us, I wouldn't say like a, a final product sound, but close enough to where we use that as like the basis when mm-hmm. we go to uh, our producer up in uh, Galena, Ohio. And mm-hmm. he knows, you know, it, it, everything is, it's a nice little transition from pre-production to a really nice final piece. Yeah. So who do you guys um, record with up there in Ohio? Uh, Nick Ingram. He uh, runs Capitol House Studio in Galena. Um, I think that's probably the reason why it takes him a little bit longer because he works with bigger bands than us. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, He's he's done stuff with like Life Moss of Flames and I named one band and that's the only band that's coming to mind. <laughs> but wow, I mean, he works with he's got a hitter though. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Beyonce and yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he'd be stoked. He'd do it in a heartbeat. He works with just not metal bands like hip hop and and I think he's done country before. I think he said. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, he's been <laughs> focused, <laughs> poor, poor guy. <laughs> he's been focusing more on like vaporwave music. But uh, when when he was with Invogue Records. Uh, you know, uh, that record label would send most of their bands to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's so that's the case for <laughs> <laughs> the most part. It's tough finding a producer, someone that can record your music, and it doesn't cost an arm and leg to do. You know, like the cost is the big thing because obviously, you know, the more money you put into it, it's gonna it should sound better. But then you could find someone you put a lot of money into, and it doesn't, doesn't sound better. Yeah. So it's it's scary. But we, Mike introduced us to Nick, and his recordings were like, "This sounds good, and the mm-hmm. price isn't crazy, so we could do this." Yeah. That's the biggest issue, I think, especially in this area, because cost of living is not bad, but the wages, unless you've got like a big boy job like these two guys do. Where they're working for the government. I don't know what you're make, talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best job to have, man. I can't disclose oh, yeah. any information. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> and he, most of the people that are good at producing in this area have a full-time job. So yeah. good luck getting them to mm-hmm. be able to sit down and record with you for 10 hours. Yeah. Because they've, they've got to work. I've noticed some of the studios around here really are kind of like a letdown. Like the actual studios. Mm-hmm. Um we recorded my said, old... We're doing what we can in here. Right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> West Virginia, man. We got some pictures up here. Yeah. So, we, we just do podcasts, and it sounds all right for a podcast. <laughs> but, like, my old band recorded with Mark Poole up in Morgantown, and we recorded, like, a three-song EP, like, years ago. And it just wasn't, like, it, it didn't, like, hit you. It was just kind of flat yeah. across the board. And we recorded a song at Blues Alley in Morgantown, and it was kind of the same way. And... I've honestly found much better sound and better production in a basement in Bridgeport where we record, you know, and it, it's, it sounds more professional than doing it in one of those studios. Well, so. I think you know, once you find a producer that understands a lot of different, like understanding the music, what you're mm-hmm. trying to write and what you're trying to play and to convey, but also the ins and outs of actually recording music and getting certain sounds like there's a lot, like I'd hate to have that job. It'd be uh, yeah. tough to be good at it. Mm-hmm. I'm barely good at writing music, so I'd hate to try to make other people's music sound good. But yeah. Nick, he's he's phenomenal. Like, if you get the chance to go and and see a really nice looking studio, not like that, but his his way his mind works, he can take a song that you kind of play okay and turn it to a decent sounding song. So, yeah. I feel so. like you would have to be good at like herding cats and also dealing with egos. To do that, right? Because like, not everybody that comes through there can be cool. No. Just this last no, time. Can't be. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he does a lot of different genres, not just metal. Really, metal is like the least he does. He does a lot of like a rap and stuff. And he said he just had an artist in there before this last time we went in. And there was like 20 guys there. But only one was laying down takes. It was just like his his, his group, his group. posse, his posse. <laughs> rolling deep. He, he he did roll deep, and he just they they smoked a bunch I mean, of weed, I guess, and recorded a rap song. And Tupac they, got shot in the studio. You gotta gotta be careful. You gotta be careful, man. <laughs> it's a nice part of Columbus, I swear. <laughs> I feel like as a producer, you also have to be ballsy enough to be like, no, that sucks. Do it this way instead. And I mean, the creator doesn't want to hear that because they have like their own idea but i don't know the, the producer knows what sounds r- better 
Sometimes. So you got well, yeah. Sometimes. I mean, it's a it's a good give and take, mm-hmm. but uh, you've also got to be able to be like, eh. Yeah, you got to remember, there's people out there that produce country music. So <laughs> <laughs> they're not right all the time. No. I like to call that demoitis. Okay. <laughs> well, I think what helped us out a lot. If we ever have an idea we're not sure about, we'll write another a couple ideas and we'll say, what do you what do you like better? And he he. I think the biggest thing is when you decide what you like better, giving reasons for it, not just saying that's the caller I like, that's the riff I like. Yeah. You know, if you can say I like this because of this, yeah. it makes it so much more impactful. And that's what he's always done for us is, mm-hmm. you know, play that one. It's it's better, it's brighter, it's more interesting to listen mm-hmm. to. So, yeah, our producer is the kind that's just like that sucks. Play it differently, and then we'll get to the point to where if we can't figure out anything, he'll just be like, give me the guitar, and then he'll lay something down, and he's like, cool, do you want to record that? I'm like, no, that sounds good. Just keep it. <laughs> you did a great so, job. I guess I have to learn how to play the song. Yeah. He probably He's... gets really tired of playing guitar until the next It actually happened last week. I went in and uh, recorded some more guitar on that, um, reamped some of the guitar, and we were messing around on the bridge of the song. And I was like trying to do something like a little bit melodic, and it wasn't really working out. And he just took the guitar and just first take and just did it. And I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, <laughs> why are you so good? <laughs> And it was just, it was perfect. And it's its probably not going to stay in because it was a little bit over the top of what we were trying to go for, but it mm-hmm. sounded awesome. He's going to so. start the After After Atlas band. and We've, we've talked about yeah, it, actually. Slowly. We Post do Atlas. Host yeah. Atlas. <laughs> Tony Atlas. Host Atlas. World's Strongest Man thing. You wouldn't get it. Yeah, it's pro, pro wrestling. It's fine. Yeah, I'm not into that. So what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> I, I get so much hate on this. I, I always say red. Like since a child, that's why I say, but it's like that's a dumb color to like. It's a terrible color. I'm like, well, it's just what I say. I don't know. I like all colors. They're all great in their own way. That's my brother's favorite color, and I also call him an idiot. What's your favorite color? Uh, (laughs) Definitely not red. Definitely not red. Don't pick red. Anything. He's wearing red, poor guy. Yeah. Purple. Purple. That's a solid color. Where's Josh? Yeah, where's Josh? (laughs) I like purple. I always just say clear because people are like, what? That's not a color. I'm like, it can be anything you want. It's the absence of color. (laughs) Just like the absence of joy in my life. Yeah. Very fitting. All right, guys. I asked the last question. Your turn. (laughs) (laughs) So where did the name come from? Funny enough, um, it's a great story. Now, our old guitar player, I think he said he was watching soccer on the TV there's a country in Africa, Ivory Coast, and they have their own soccer team, and he thought it was cool. And when we first started the band, we went through several name changes, and we basically we had a show at Main Street Cafe. We're like, we got to tell them what to put on the flyer. We don't have a name. <laughs> and we're like, well, Ivory Coast is the one that sucks the least. That's, that's so how we that's how you can- <laughs> Wow. And, we, and it's it's that's the hardest thing picking a band name that's a place because anytime anyone giggles it they're not going to get you first yeah. so we've talked about changing it but it's just like you get so far in and we're not like famous by any standards but like even it's scary to be like should we change it should mm-hmm. we a, a, attempt you know to will we lose people so it's kind of mm-hmm. scary in a way yeah you could just add to it some different kind of coast in West Virginia like. We even thought about taking away just like either Ivory or Coast, but that just sounds, I don't know. It rolls off the tongue nice. I like Ivory Coast. And that thought actually crossed my mind because I'm a soccer fan, and Ivory Coast had a a pretty nice little run in the World Cup a couple World Cups ago, so I I wondered if it had anything to do with the actual country. Yeah, just our guitarist watching TV, and first thing he saw, he's probably high when he was doing it. Yeah. That's a a band name, right? Wow. Holy shit. That's cool. My favorite. Yeah, my favorite thing while uh, while playing while you know playing shows live is because our name is Ivory Coast. I'll normally wear like something tropical, every okay. day. Yeah. <laughs> which will probably throw people off. Theme because it's like, oh, Ivory Coast. He's wearing tropical, huh? This should be like a yeah, really, like, like a beach boy band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you get up there and they're like, holy shit, terrible <laughs> metal. <laughs> so what's the what's the craziest? Thing? Have you guys toured? much not no touring we've played lots of shows just not like in a not in a succession of dates mm-hmm. so yeah we're playing we're planning on doing some stuff next year hopefully um but we're not entirely sure of what's going on yet with that doing tours is like it's a pain in the ass. it's a lot of money yeah, and it's hard not only that i think the biggest problem is a finding the venues that'll let you play and then getting the time off 
Yeah. Like, hey, can I have like five days off in a row? It's like, no, you can come to work five days. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's normally like uh, the hardest people to get in contact with is like promoters and booking agents and stuff like that. It's a to be able a to pain, yeah. get everything lined up. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even count the transport. I don't know how many oh, times yeah. I've seen bands on tour that their bus is broken down because they've got a 1975 van that's mm-hmm. all they can afford and it's just it's a hard life people stealing and breaking into oh yeah that's terrifying because i don't have like a lot of equipment they stole my stuff i i can't run out and buy new stuff Mm-mm. especially when you own a kemper profiler i don't know Ooh. if you've ever seen one of those, those things, things but nice. expensive too yeah yeah I, I, would be, I would definitely be devastated if that happened oh, yeah any thieves listening to the podcast stay away stay away They'll find you and i wonder if there's insurance for that you can yeah you can get insurance yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the, mm-hmm. a lot of people that steal equipment will just take them to like pawn shops or yeah. they'll try to sell them online. So I've always taken pictures of like my serial numbers and stuff mm-hmm. on my guitars, my amp, everything like that. That way, if something were to happen, you know, you can send that number out yeah. to places like that to where they can look for it. And if it comes in, they know it's stolen. Yeah, that's really so, smart. Yeah, I'm very surprising coming yeah. from him. Yeah, who well, gave you I mean, that idea? With Darling Waste, we toured for well, yeah, eight months out of the year, most years. Toured in so, Europe yeah. as well. Wow. Yeah, so you have to kind of keep track of all that stuff. Well, you specifically didn't tour in Europe. But Did they tell you that yeah. in Guantanamo? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was a prison in London. <laughs> I think a really good story with that is uh, Mark Holcomb from Periphery. He yeah. actually took a picture, the serial number of his signature guitar, and he ended up getting it back mm-hmm. a few months later. So. That's the crazy thing is when you get it back. Yeah. You don't expect... You know, it's going to end up in a pawn shop or some kids like some mom's going to buy it for this kid for like mm-hmm. 300 bucks. But mm-hmm. it's like the guy that stole Juju Smith-Schuster's bike. Yeah. And then it just was magically found. He's like, no, I didn't steal it. I just here it is. No, he stole it. Yeah. <laughs> we had to chase him. Somebody ganked Lance's laptop once while we were loading up. Wow. And we chased him down into a graveyard. Ooh. And left him there. <laughs> and we was wrote this song about we it. We don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We were just like, it was funny because like, you know, we, Darling Waves, my old band was like this emo band, like really, like really emo, like the long, straight black hair, the eyeshadow, really tight clothes, you know. That's that the whole, next like, move for Ivory Coast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming back, man, yeah. 2019. Country like, emo. You you cool. just see like all these emo guys Johnny running, Cash? chasing this, Basically. chasing this kid <laughs> down the street into a graveyard. It's like, oh God, it was probably hilarious for anybody that was watching. So, but yeah, it happens and it's not. You got to be careful. And like you said, getting a hold of venues and actually getting them to respond and having the dates open so you don't have to drive six or seven hours or ten hours in between shows, too. That's that's a uh, that's a really hard to do. We just had this mm-hmm. talk, just like sending out emails and not getting anything back. Like, even if it's a no, I'd yeah. take a no over no response. Yep. Mm-hmm. At least I know that you're not going to, like, respond within a week or two and be like, hey, do you still want this or... And then trying to sell tickets for those things, you're basically gonna you're gonna end up, especially how far away it is. If it's like a five hour drive, you're gonna pay it out of your pocket just yeah. to get on the show. And it's like exposure. Yeah, like, especially it, since you're kind of in this area, it, it might not. It's kind of scary to go to Columbus, where maybe not as many people know you, and you're just kind of hoping. We played up in PA with um, Born of Osiris, Betraying the Martyrs, and Volumes, and we had to sell like a hundred or so tickets at like twenty-five or fifty bucks a pop. It cost a lot of money. Wow. Luckily, we had family members like, "Yeah, we'll buy some tickets off you." And you know, obviously, they're not going to go, and no one's showing up besides the band, whoever yeah. you know, what I mean, for your tickets. And it was like, "Oh, this is going to be a big deal for us." It wasn't that big of a deal. It was cool. We shared a stage with those bands. I mean, a lot of people showed up after we played. Yeah, I think it was <laughs> like the worst. thirty people there, so it definitely it felt cool at first. And then we're like, "This is not how you go about it. You're yeah. going to go broke before you get anywhere." Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ran into it before, where you'll you'll get on a show and they're like, "We need you to sell X amount of tickets." Then you look at the bill. One, there's no big headliner on that bill, mm-hmm. and every single one of those bands is like more than like three or four hours from that venue where they're wanting all these bands to sell all these tickets basically so nobody's going to – and you look at it and you're like, why should I go through all that trouble Yeah. whenever none of these bands are even from that area? So there's not going to be anybody there. Maybe their girlfriends or, you know, a roadie or two or somebody. But, you know, we, we had that happen at 
Mr. Smalls, and they mm-hmm. had like five bands on it, but none of the bands were even remotely close to really. Pittsburgh. Yeah, we've we've um, had like opportunities to play shows like that. We have sold tickets, but every other band was like a local. It's like you're gonna sell to everyone that's probably gonna go. It's mm-hmm. like we're not. No one's gonna travel to travel. We gotta do, and yeah. we even tried online sales through our band camp. Like, hey, buy a ticket. You're saving some money. We'll give you a free CD and everything. And even that was like an arm and a leg. Yeah. It's like we're, we'll give you free stuff. Just buy these tickets, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the I think the awesome part about the show on uh, November sixteenth up at the Fun House is like all these bands that are on this bill with us are Pittsburgh Pittsburgh area bands, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have to sell tickets for that one. No, we don't. No. If they did, we'd probably have to consider it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like selling, like, if we were playing a show in Morgantown, sure, we'd try that. At least yeah. it's local. But, mm. you know, it's it's crazy to ask a band that's driving three to five hours, sell tickets. Like, to who? Like, you <laughs> yeah. want me to drive up on the weekends yeah. and, and walk around a mall or something? Yeah. It's not L- happening. Let me rent a school bus and just haul <laughs> everybody up there. It's terrible. <clears throat> so you said it's at the Fun House. Now, whereabouts is that located? It's uh, Mr. Small's Funhouse. <laughs> oh, is like, it Mr. Small's? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, it's, it's not. It's not main. It's not the main stage, okay. but it's the one above it. Okay, yeah. and that's November sixteenth. November sixteenth on 16th. Saturday. Pretty sure yep. that's what you said. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what you said. So, who all are you guys playing with up there? And uh, you obviously said all like Pittsburgh, like local bands. But. Uh, uh, so far, the lineup is Ronin, I think. Yeah, uh, Arcane Haven and Colony Collapse. I know yeah. Arcane Haven. I still have one of their cables. It's got that name on it. They left at the cafe. So if you see them, tell them uh, we'll send them this way. It. Yeah, it's just like a three prong adapter. You do the podcast, you get the <laughs> yeah. cable back. You get the cable back. <laughs> exactly. As but long man. as your favorite color is not red. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Say that, that cable is gone. It's trashed. <laughs> Since November sixteenth. Do you guys have anything else lined up after that? No. Nope. 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 <laughs> Playing shows is tough for us to just to get on, but I think. It's nice because we get to try and play Make Contact and, mm-hmm. and do one last show for the year, but we're pretty sure after this one we're going to take that hiatus. We thought we'd be playing more shows in between these other singles, and we just couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to just not focus on shows at all and just write. Like right. we, we really want to do a full length now for quite some time. We are we started back in 2014, so we're going on five years plus. So it's like it's time to do a full length and then either keep trying or break up. Like yeah. th- those are the options now. So. Yeah, we're we're pretty much going to give it our all or nothing at this point. Uh, It'll probably burn. Full length. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's that's and back to the touring thing. That's a right now is the point to where you need to start like trying to get out there and even just doing weekend stints. Like you pick, you go up north for like three days, go like a little bit east, go a little bit west, go south, then you hit those in like rotation throughout the year. Hit them a couple times a year and then try to build that fan base up. Yeah, and it's hard. And it sucks, but if you can get like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where they're two hours, two hours, two hours home, mm-hmm. you know, it makes it a lot easier than trying to go out for five, six, seven days and drive down to like Myrtle Beach and then back. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Well, so, definitely weekenders will be the first of mm-hmm. it when we started, but building those connections, we've 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 had really good um, relationships with like these people that own venues and stuff, and they're like, we loved your set, we want you to come back, and it's just mm-hmm. getting those dates lined up and. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you can go to a venue's page and they have events like months in advance oh, yeah. and it's like trying to pick a date. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just us trying to hop on a show. Like, do you need an opener? We'll play first. Like, you just mm-hmm. want someone to mm-hmm. break the ice. We'll, t- we'll take anything we can get. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm pretty much barrel. at this point. Yeah, uh, another another thing I'd like to bring up for advertising is like when we when we got on market, I was thinking, I was like telling Tyler since he, does like graphic design and stuff. I said, well, hey, make business cards with some kind of like little, uh, you know, URL or a little code on it. That way they can hear our single mm-hmm. and, you know, you could start walking to shows. Like if there's like a metal show in your area that's going on, you know, that we unfortunately wouldn't get at that time period. Um, <laughs> we we could go in line. We could walk around in line and give them and these download them cards yeah. and like just talk and meet with fans i think that's like one of the mm-hmm. biggest things personally for me when i get yeah. out to shows and stuff is meeting people mm-hmm. and a lot of bands like i mean back in the day i'm i'm 33 i'm old so back in the day um that's what we used to do you used to take like a cd like just burnt yeah. cds with like a single on it or you know like you said business cards or anything stickers whatever you get a sticker made with all of your information on it 
and we'd go to like warp tour we'd go to bigger shows or just even like local shows that we weren't playing and just hand them out to people and it's good promotion and people just don't seem to do that anymore no. like you know use like yeah it's it's a, it's a music scene for a reason everybody needs to support each other and people shouldn't be mad if you're handing out your band stuff like trying to get people to listen to you just because you're not playing it almost feels know? like kind of forbidden like it's yeah, like it looked does. down upon mm-hmm. but it's like you're doing well enough like these are all your fans they can be our fans too yeah maybe like maybe. they want to be <laughs> yeah. like they, they choose to come here like obviously you got their money in the bag like mm-hmm. we're just trying to we're just using this number this number of people gathered here and there's been like um like those promotional like you know pay for this and we'll tell you how to you know get rich or whatever and we've seen band ones like networking and a lot of times they say go to shows take your albums with you and talk to people Mm -hmm. like make those like down-to-earth one-on-one connections and it means the world to them because like the big bands probably aren't gonna sit there and have a word with them if they even can without the vip stuff going on Mm -hmm. i believe that's how because you're wearing a nice nine kill shirt (laughs) so that's 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 exactly what they that's exactly what they did not to rip them off or anything, but like that's, I, I believe like connecting with people one on one and just meeting meeting the crowds that are actually going to shows. I think it would mean a lot to them, and then you know there's a better potential that they'll be coming to your shows in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, we did that. Uh, my old 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 band. I've, had, I've been in a bunch of bands. Uh, One too many heroes back in the day. We we would always go to Warp Tour every year together as a band. And we had started listening to this band on MySpace called Greeley Estates. It was like way before that they, they were even on Warped Tour or anything like that. We followed them and they just like, you know, <clears throat> one of our favorite bands. And every year that they were on Warped Tour, we'd take them like a little care package. It would have like clean under, like, you know, underwear, That's candy, amazing. all sorts of stuff. And they started recognizing that and putting us on their blog. And whenever they did that, their Warped Tour blog, then we started like getting bigger. And then blew up to where we were playing shows in Weston to two or three hundred people. It was crazy. That's people amazing. were bringing so, you underwear. Yeah. yeah. No, I wish. <laughs> Not even girls. I didn't even throw in anything. I've never had that happen to me before. Just briefs. Just, just, just briefs of briefs. It's like triple XL worn in boxers being thrown at me. It's Wasted local talent brought to you by me undies. I'll come to I'll come to your next show and throw my underwear at you. <laughs> please please God, not your underwear. You and your IBS can stay the fuck home. <laughs> Don't want that shit. Literal. <clears throat> the whole venue yeah, will clear literal out. Shit. So November 16th, and your new single should have been out on this podcast. <laughs> we were hoping for that Halloween release, and we missed it. Missed it. Now it's like it's like that uh, scene from Nightmare on uh, Christmas. Before Christmas, he's like, only 365 days. Like <laughs> yeah. We'll release it in 365 yeah. days. That's when... No, you didn't come out and say that you were releasing the single, did you? It was just kind of like a band thing, like we're going to do it on this day. Yeah, no, okay. we that's, never. That's good. Yeah. This is the first <laughs> yeah. time I think it will ever be like, we want to do it then, but mm-hmm. everything's kind of like on the edge of our seat for us. We're like, it's we have everything ready. Let's do it now. And then mm-hmm. two weeks later, you'll have a new song by us. So yeah. uh, we try to plan things out, but it's usually just by the edge of our seat. Mm-hmm. So. See, we made that mistake of, uh, I'd never used CD Baby before to like release a single. Um, and I was like, it gave you like the, you know, like the, it could be between this many to this many days before it's out. So I had started promoting it and it was obviously the, the, the longest <laughs> fucking amount it could have been. It was finally out and I'm like, well, great. Now we're like, you know, a week behind of where it should have been. So we, we ended up just releasing it on YouTube instead first. Yeah. That's the great so. thing about YouTube is just that day you can have it ready to go. We use um, DistroKid and that is by far the best, uh, music distribution site service we've ever. I mean, we've never used anything else, but stories like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can pick your exact date, and it's getting everywhere: Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon, Google, like anything you think of, it's there. And it's like twenty six bucks a year for as um, many but, songs as you want. It's mm-hmm. not. It's just a blanket. That's not bad. That's, CD, mm-hmm. CD Baby was like fifteen dollars, and it stays there for forever. There's no well, like yearly subscription. That's why I was like, I'll yeah. definitely do that because. Well, you can do like the sort of, I think it has some like fancy little name for it, but you can pay an extra bit to have that release. So if you deactivate it and stop paying the yearly subscription, it's there forever. Sure, yeah. But just the the level of care, because I think one, like a few musicians formed DistroKid, so they, they understood like the whole process of like CD Baby mm-hmm. and TuneCore and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's great if you want to like release, you know, if you've got like five singles that you want to release mm-hmm. that year, 
you're not spending fifteen dollars per single. You're yeah. twenty six bucks. You can put them all out. That's I think a lot of YouTubers use it too. Like they'll they'll release the video and you can get their Spotify pages and whatever and listen to it as well. And it's it's really effective for I think maybe solo artists, artists that are just kind of releasing sparsely. Like here's here's a song. Mm-hmm. So. So how do you guys feel about mixed genre shows? How mixed? <laughs> Obviously not metal and country. Yeah. And um, same bill. <laughs> I would be interested in that. It, it would. <laughs> It'd be very split down the middle. The wall of death would be so interesting. Yeah, that would be. That would be. The two-step uh, and then. Yeah, I, I've played a couple different mixed genre shows before I joined Coast, and it was pretty interesting like you would have like a couple rappers on the bill and then you would have like a hardcore band or two of those and then you know it'd be like you know the old band that i was in at the time period was uh, a band called speaking in tongues it was a local and i I just remember like there was two different rappers and there was like a hardcore band you know sometimes you'll get another one of those and then you know it would be us and like we're like this uh, we're th- we're this metal band. I wouldn't say like, like if you're talking about subgenres, I would say we would be like a good metalcore band, mm-hmm. a local metalcore band, and uh, we would be the only metalcore band on there. But it would be very interesting to see how the crowd reacts. Normally, because we don't we didn't do like the Wall of Death or anything like dramatically like that. Um, people would just sit there and watch us. Like, it wouldn't be like, because normally for hardcore bands, like, everybody is moving most of the time. Um, So we're like, we were more of a band to, like, watch. And, I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of cool to see how the crowd reacted to different, different uh, genres of music, (laughs) for sure. I've always liked them. I was just curious. They're they're nice. <laughs> I think it's just kind of hard like to sell that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, when mm-hmm. you say mixed shows, I think festivals where yeah. you can walk to this tent and get this and that tent. You know what I mean? Like Warp Tours, like mm-hmm. perfect example. Like everything's there from punk to metal to hardcore to even like rap now. Like these last few years and the pop and stuff. But just at one location, at one show, one stage, it's kind of intimidating. Like a soft rack goes up, and then now get ready for the metal. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, intimidating but really cool too especially if it brings in more people yeah and gives more people different music to listen to mm-hmm. i think it depends on how you control the crowd as a band too i think it comes with the front man you know doing his part and controlling the crowd you know some cases you'll get certain types of crowds and fans and stuff like that that are dedicated to one single act yeah and then they won't you know they won't do very much interaction with that band i think the bands rely solely on the fan interaction, you know, for the energy for mm-hmm. the most part. On stage charisma is a big deal. It's a big seller mm-hmm. for a band because if you I've been to shows where I love the recorded version of the band and then they just kinda go up on stage and you can tell they might not feel comfortable or they they you just don't, don't talk con- bad about my band. No, <laughs> hey, you connected with the band. Um, maybe not you. No, you're bad in yeah. the studio and on stage. Yeah, that's true. No, but I've just seen people they kind of they just kind of lack that extra pop live. Where other times you see people that maybe you didn't like the recording, but when they go out and put it all on the stage, then you're like, hey, I I kind of like that. That was fun. Yeah, I think I've said it before on here, but one of my favorite bands is The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. And they're, they're so, good, so good in the studio. I hate them live. You do? Yeah, See, I don't like them. I feel the other exact hate opposite. Hate, go hate, 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 hate their live performance. I'm going to go probably see them next Friday. Because <laughs> for me, what kills it for me is Mike's vocals live don't they're sound different. anything at all like when he's in the studio. His yeah. vocal range live is nothing. That's the tough part. Like a lot of these older bands, the vocalist, the name, like it becomes a staple. It's like, is the Devil's Prada the Devil's Prada without Mike? Or, you know, could they go yeah. without him? It's like, and those vocalists, they, you know, I can't speak on his behalf, but maybe they're not properly doing the right techniques or taking care of their voice. And they're doing something in the studio that they can't emulate live. Yeah. His voice has changed a lot over oh, the past yeah. 15 I mean, years or whatever. And they just put out long? a new album two weeks ago. And it's primarily their guitarist singing. Really? Mike's, I mean, they still have some screaming, but it's more clean vocals than they've ever done. And it's interesting. But if, that's one of the first things that I thought was, if you go back and listen to, 
I don't know, their first album versus Plagues this, or, yeah, yeah, this album, you, you think, gosh, it's how did they do that? And then on the flip side, we talked about August Burns Red earlier, where their lead singer, you're like, how is this guy's voice just Still not falling it. clear out of his throat? <laughs> and he's, it seems like it's getting stronger. So I don't know, I don't know if proper technique or maybe some honey and Te- some cough technique. drops or something. I've known a lot of people that have even just singing blown their voice out. Oh, yeah. If, yeah. if you're not doing it properly, you can just kill your vocal. I think Lance had to have um, surgery on his vocal cords before, and then that's whenever everything kind of went down. I mean, even when I just worked at Teletech and we I had to talk for eight hours oh, a day yeah. on the phone, oh, yeah. I, I would go home and just I, mm-hmm. I couldn't talk to the next day or I'd lose my voice. Yeah, It got rough. Then you get people like Randy Blythe who just... Like never like even liked metal. Yeah. And like, have you ever seen that interview that he did where he talks about how he got into metal and he he basically like as a joke he was like, ah, oh, metal sucks. I hate metal. Anyone can do and this. And did the scream like as a joke, and everybody was just like, whoa, hold on. <laughs> like you what, get it. What was that? That was really good. Yeah, I think it's for different vocalists like some vocalists still today like doing for 10 years or so they're so they're really good still and then others it's just like you you kind of should sing more because it's definitely having an effect on you i think even ollie from bring the horizon like mm-hmm. he's do some stuff he definitely can't do now and he's oh. blown out his vocal cords quite a few times yeah <laughs> you get that big their live performances yeah. though pay the money for the, mm-hmm. the well, vocal coach. i mean they're doing they're doing shows every night i know i saw a day to remember one time and he he would play it out like he would let the crowd sing the part, but you could tell, you tell where he's just like, oh, gosh, please, please, I've been <laughs> please singing for 35 days straight. Just <laughs> can you do this part for me? So that's a – people don't think about that, even, like you said, just a regular vocalist, mm-hmm. how how much toll that can take on a person, where they, especially if they're screaming. Singers also use a, a, that as an excuse to not help the rest of the band carry equipment. Like oh, yeah. I hurt my voice. <laughs> voice. I got to get my tea. If you, like, guys, uh, fuck <laughs> if you guys ever want to be blown away by uh, a, I, don't, I guess, metal vocalist, maybe, I don't know, if you've never listened to uh, the Devin Townsend Project. Oh, I've listened to that. That's that's and a, it is that's, it's phenomenal. unreal, like inhuman how he's able to do that. He just as a mm. musician, as, oh, not yeah. even as a performer, but what he writes and then the fact that he can perform it, he's he's on a whole nother level. Yeah, like the stage presence, the music that he writes, like his ability to play, and then on top of that, like his vocal range and like his screams. It's just like, it's Got not it fair, all. man. Like he is bald though, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One shortcoming. I got to say, it all. I was impressed at Michael's wedding where you did, was it Lamb of God? Yeah. And then... I mean, I was like, well, Jed's done karaoke for the night. It's it's over. But no, you like rolled into Bon Jovi and Journey and whatever else. You, you went you went strong. Well, for I think like I went three straight. Hours. I think I went straight. I did Contractor, and then I think I did Toxic by Britney Spears. Yeah, straight into it. <laughs> yeah, like no no break at all. But yeah, yeah that was very impressive. <laughs> I was I was thoroughly impressed. So wait, are you a wedding singer? Is that what I <laughs> no? What no, I'm getting? no. We, we were all sitting around and. <laughs> Jed is like, this is dumb. Does anybody have a microphone? We're doing karaoke right now. So he he got up and he just he played he played the people into the seats. It, it was just him at That's first amazing. and his wife. And then next thing you know, there's like 30, 40 people on the dance floor just like listening to Jed sing. He's like, all right, this is my last one. Okay, guys, I got one more. <laughs> one more. <laughs> Improv karaoke. That's amazing. Yeah, I pulled that wedding together. Yeah. You yeah. saved that marriage. There's a moment of clarity. <laughs> You're welcome, Michael. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Jed, you have a question. Yes. That you haven't asked in a long time. I know. It's been a, I haven't had a chance to in a really long time. Yeah. Um, so I like to ask all of the bands and musicians that come on a similar question. And uh, so describe your music or musical style um, using famous actors or actresses. It could be any <laughs> generation. It can be. TV, it can be film. You can also pick like specific eras. So if you wanted to say like Tim Allen in the nineties, like you or could even say like that. a specific movie. Like, you know. You could even pick like Bugs Bunny or something like that if you <laughs> oh, I've this has never had a question like this before. <laughs> um the best way to describe it would be uh Seth Rogan's laugh. 
Just awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on way too long. I, I, don't, I have no idea. That's my joke of an answer. That's, that that's was a, probably the, one of the better answers we've had. <laughs> that's an amazing question. I feel terrible. I can't answer it. Your next song has to have Seth Rogen's laugh in your breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny enough, our vocalist, he's always, um, everyone tells him he looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So I don't know. Maybe one of his. <laughs> you know. So maybe one of his films. I don't know. He's the voice of the band. So I don't know, maybe Ooh, 500 Days like of Summer. Angels, <laughs> like, like Angels in the Outfield. Was that Joseph Gordon-Levitt? No. I'm pretty sure it was. Was he in that? As a little boy, maybe? Yeah, he was He was, was the he? one flapping his wings in the Everyone's outfield. Everyone's Googling it now. Or I'm like Looper, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Batman, Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt. Actually, I think it might have been. Let me, yeah. Angels in the Outfield. Another great song name on the Ivory Coast. That full length. <laughs> That's the, that'll be the name of the full on length. On the Ivory Coast. Yeah, yeah it was. Shit. Ah, see? Man. Yeah, Man, mine. my memory fails me <laughs> nine times out of ten. I nailed that one. That tenth time, though. Yeah. It serves you. Weird out it of came left out field. Like the year you were born. Get out of here. What yeah. year did that come out? Ninety four. No, I was five. <laughs> <laughs> so you got you. You look like you got something. Yeah. To to answer your question, <laughs> mine would be. Answer. Yeah. <laughs> mine would be the voiceover for National Geographic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah um, just uh, just the just the British voice over talking. Oh, Attenborough. Yeah. You mean yeah. David Attenborough? Yeah. 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 Hell Ooh, yeah. yeah. So like Seth Rogen's laugh and David Attenborough <laughs> Those are like narrating documentaries. Two yeah. ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It reminds me of those bits where uh, Snoop Dogg narrated like the, the shots of the animals. And yeah. Just was oh my God. <laughs> weird. Just not as cool. Just, but yeah. 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 I love David Attenborough. He can just talk talk to me. You know how many times I've fallen asleep listening to his voice on Netflix? Oh, dude, yeah, a lot. So many times. <laughs> Pretty sure if I ever met him in person, I'd just like fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wherever I was at. What's that book by Samuel Jackson? The go the, go fuck, the fuck to sleep. That's the one. I'm Did glad. he write that book? I doubt it. I don't think so. No, uh, he just read it. How many of those people actually write their books? Versus, yeah, yeah. you know, they have their, you know or they just drop a few lines in there. I would say this this way. Yeah, you know, probably. Or like, how many pop musicians write their own music? Yeah. It's like that's how Lady Gaga got her start. She got tired of writing pop music for other people, so she just wrote it for herself. I wish like someone would write her music. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that, why he's in the up. band. I was like, I'm tired of this. <laughs> you, so luckily, that's why I'm, I, I, we mentioned earlier, I might switch to bass for our live shows. I'm still going to help write, but really, mm. it's just because I'm tired of writing guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and bass is so much, you ever get to play bass like on your own songs, you find how much fun, funner your songs are. Oh, yeah. It's just night and day. So I'm like, I'm tired. It's of like, you know, you, it's it's rhythm. So you can like kind of groove with it. Yeah. As opposed to having to Static, play leads yeah. and you know, do all that stuff. Less strings, less responsibility, <laughs> yeah. less to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I will say I've never had like a huge desire to ever get into music, mainly because I have no talent. Um, but if there was one thing in music that would be in my, like to me, would be the coolest thing. And I didn't even know this existed until... I was at a wedding a couple weeks back in Nashville, and uh, they were like, I saw this huge house uh, next to my friends that got married um, where they were staying, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Like, he's a really famous uh, songwriter, and he's written songs for, and they just started rattling off, like, like people that I know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, big name artists, and I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, oh yeah, he's written like hundreds of songs that have placed on the Billboard Top 100. He's like a, a oh, like a, a bajillionaire. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, so you mean to tell me this dude just gets to sit here, write music all the time. He doesn't have to go play shows. He doesn't have to go to the studio. That's he the doesn't have, have to be like in the public eye. He doesn't have paparazzi taking his picture everywhere he goes. But he makes just as much as the artists that are that are actually like performing it. Those royalties have to be so amazing. That's crazy. Dude, that's the job yeah. like, they have. That's amazing. Just re just writing, not recording it, not performing it, just writing. Like, play this. It'll sound good, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> my my dad's cousin is a studio drummer in Nashville, and he's played he's played at the Super Bowl halftime. He's played at the Grand Ole Opry. He played on, I believe, that he, he definitely did drums on a Johnny Cash album. Hmm. That's and that's 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 what he does. He's just a studio drummer, and he just he's just in Nashville. If he, they need a drummer for something, they just call him up. 
It's like, that'd be dope. And he gets paid a lot of money. Yeah. You know, if anybody, like, if a country music artist needs a, a touring drummer, they'll call him up. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. I wish I was that talented. So I'm definitely not. I can barely go and play my own fucking music that I write <laughs> on stage properly, let alone play somebody else's music. You did pretty good at Country Roads. Yeah. Yeah. We played like the punk version of Country Roads. So That's it's just awesome. four chords. I think every so, West Virginia band's played their yeah. version of yeah. Country Roads, and it's <laughs> yeah. just it's that's how you know you're that's the yeah. getting into the band process. So, before we get wrapped up, tell us where people can find your music, your everything online. Uh, if you just go on to any old search bar and type in Ivory Coast, make sure you put band after there, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or, or you'll find some really it's cool, a nice African stuff. band, yeah. nice beach. Uh, you add the word band in there or West Virginia and we should pop up. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're on Spotify and Apple music and all that good stuff. So just search Ivory Coast and put the band in there in West Virginia, one of those two and you'll find us. If you find us on Facebook too, uh, we also have like a merch page with like our EP and stuff on there too, yeah. and you can find our singles and stuff on there as nice. well. Single coming soon. Yes, one day, one day. It'll probably be out like later in November. Hit the follow soon, button. We'll let you know. I mean, soon is relative. Maybe. You know, if it's soon compared to forty years from now, then oh yeah. I mean, that could be five years from now, right? Shut the fuck up. and on that note (laughs) (laughs) alright thank you guys so much for coming out today thank you thank you